السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ So inshallah by the end of the course hopefully you will memorize all of them inshallah Ahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihi al-kareem amma ba'd fa'udhu billahi min ash-shaytani r-rajim bismillahir rahmanir rahim rabb ishrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wahlul 'uqdatam min lisani yafqahu qawli rabbana zidna ilma Before we begin the lesson inshallah on Tuesday I would like to review everything that we have covered so far about salah Okay, so there is different things that we have covered so far, right? Beginning from the first bab, which was about takbir, okay? And then about raising of the hands up to where should they be raised, right? And then what should be said after the takbir, all right? When is it during the salah that the hands should be raised along with the takbir, okay? And then during the salah, istiftah, qiyam, then after that rukur then after that getting up from rukur and then sajda and then jalsa and today inshallah we will be covering tashahhud so there is different different you can say themes that we have covered so i would like you to go over all of your notes and basically select one topic okay so for example make questions about takbir review the ahadith the abwab concerning takbir when is it supposed to be said how many there are okay likewise raising of the hands likewise we also learned that takbir should be said while a person is transitioning from one step to the next one position to the next everything that we have covered related to takbir i want you to make questions from that you should make questions concerning qiyam so qiyam as in where the hands should be placed how should they be placed what should be said in qiyam may questions regarding recitation when a person is to recite how much he is to recite in which salah which length of surah or which kind of surah should be recited can a person recite just a few verses so all the matters related to recitation i would like you to make questions concerning that what comes after recitation rukur so related to rukur i want you to make questions the second qiyam on getting up from rukur so between rukur and sujood questions concerning that i'd like you to make them then after rukur comes sujood so you can make questions concerning sujood all right after sujood comes jalsa good so questions related to jalsa you have to cover them and this is an amana on you okay so everybody has to bring questions inshallah actually after jalsa jalsa istiraha So questions related to Jalsa Istiraha. After Jalsa Istiraha, Tashahud. So Tashahud, if uh, three of you can do, inshallah. Okay? Because there is a first Tashahud, the second Tashahud, what should be said in Tashahud. All of these matters, inshallah. And then Taslim, inshallah, you all can do it. Yeah, inshallah. I don't know if I'll be able to cover Taslim or not, but now... It will happen with you that as you are making the questions you might have certain questions okay perhaps things that you never thought about before so inshallah uh, write them down okay make a list of those questions and we will address them also inshallah and on tuesday uh, i i would like to do an entire review with you in order to make sure that 
everything that we have covered so far, it is clear. Okay? After that, we're going to think about having a test very soon. Agreed? Okay. Now, the questions that you make about the topics that I've given you, I'd like you to ask one another those questions during group time. You understand? So quiz each other. This is the best way of reviewing. Make questions yourself and then ask each other. You might think you know the answer, but when you hear the other person, then you find out that they're giving you know, a different answer, so that also opens up your mind, inshallah. Clear? So will you do your homework? Inshallah. Okay, let's begin our lesson. Bab sunnah al-julusi fit tashahud. The sunnah of sitting during the tashahud, meaning what is the sunnah concerning the sitting position in tashahud? How is it that the Prophet ﷺ used to sit? And with regards to this, we learned that for men and women, both they have to sit in the same way during the tashahud. Now there's two tashahud, right? One is the first tashahud, which is after uh, two rak'ah. In which salah? That is a four rak'at. Okay? And the second tashahud is the last tashahud in salah, which is of four rak'at. Okay. So when it comes to the first tashahud, then how is it that a person is supposed to sit? What is it that we learn from the hadith of Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu? Iftirash. And what is iftirash? That a person is sitting on his left foot and his right foot is placed vertically and the toes are flexed such that they are facing the qibla. Clear? Okay. So this is iftirash. And this is how you sit in the first tashahud. When else do you sit in the manner of iftirash? Jalsa. With jalsa. Jalsa between the two prostrations as well as jalsa. Istiraha. If a person chooses to sit over there, then this is how he should sit. Okay. Now in the second tashahud, what is masnoon is tawarruq. And that is clarified from the next hadith. حدثنا يحيى بن بكير قال حدثنا الليث عن خالد عن سعيد عن محمد بن عمرو بن حلحلة عن محمد بن عمرو بن عطاء وحدثنا الليث عن يزيد بن أبي حبيب ويزيد بن محمد عن محمد بن عمرو بن حلحلة عن محمد بن عمرو بن عطاء أنه كان جالسا that he was once sitting مع نفر with a group من أصحاب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Amongst the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. So he was sitting amongst some of the companions. فَذَكَرْنَا So we mentioned صَلَاةَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. We mentioned about the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ. فَقَالَ أَبُو حُمَيْدِ So Abu Humaid al-Sa'idiyyu So Abu Humaid al-Sa'idi He said That أَنَا كُنْتُ I am أَحْفَظَكُمْ أَحْفَظَ What does it mean? The one who has memorized the best. Okay, one who remembers the best. Amongst all of you, I have memorized the best. I know the most concerning what? لِصَلَاتِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ About the prayer of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. Before we continue, this statement of Abu Sa'id, أَنَا كُنْتُ أَحْفَظَكُمْ لِصَلَاتِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Did any other companion say something similar? Yes, Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه said it. Right? So, it shows that many of the companions, they were very confident about their prayer in the sense that they were sure that they were observing the sunnah of the Prophet 
And that is exactly what they passed on. He said, رَأَيْتُهُ I saw him إِذَا كَبَّرَ When he said the takbir, جَعَلَ يَدَيْهِ He placed his hands. حِذَاءَ Parallel to مَنْ كِبَيْهِ His shoulders. When he made the takbir, in order to begin the prayer, he would place his hands where? Parallel to his shoulders. وَإِذَا رَكَعَ And when he went into rukur, أَمْكَنَ يَدَيْهِ مِنْ رُكْبَتَيْهِ He positioned his hands firmly on his knees. In Rukur, where were his hands? Firmly positioned on the knees. ثُمَّ حَصَرَ ظَهْرَهُ Then he bent in order to straighten his back. Meaning in Rukur, he bent in order to straighten his back. فَإِذَا رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ That when he raised his head, meaning he got up from Rukur, istawa He became leveled. Okay, meaning his entire body became straight, settled. Hatta until Yauda it returned. Kullu faqarin, every bone, makanahu its place. Meaning he stood perfectly fine in the sense that every limb, every bone of the body returned to its position. What does that mean? You see when a person is doing rukur, is that a person's default position? No. Sujood? No. What about sitting? No. Because even when you're sitting, when your bones are bent, in the sense that your limbs are bent. Right? So for example, your leg, you know, the thigh is placed horizontally and the calves are placed vertically when you're sitting. Okay? On a chair. But when you're standing, then what happens? Every limb, every bone goes to where it has to be. So, حَتَّى يَعُودَ كُلُّ فَقَارٍ مَكَانَهُ Meaning he stood upright, straight. And this also signifies that when he got up from Rukur, he stood still before he went into the next position. فَإِذَا سَجَدَ Then he went into prostration. وَضَعَ يَدَيْهِ He placed his hands غَيْرَ مُفْتَرِشٍ Without spreading them out. وَلَا قَابِضِهِمَا Nor keeping them close to himself so that he was bunched up. No. Rather his arms, his hands, his forearms were positioned in a very normal way such that they were neither touching the floor nor were they touching the sides of his body. وَاسْتَقْبَلَ And he faced بِأَطْرَافِ With the edges أَصَابِعِ Fingers or toes رِجْلَيْهِ Of his feet الْقِبْلَةَ The qibla. Meaning the toes of his feet, the fingers on his feet meaning the toes. What were they doing? They were facing the qibla. When? During the sajda. Because you see what is mentioned right before that? Sajda. فَإِذَا سَجَدَ During sajda, this is how he placed his hands. And with regards to his feet, the toes were facing the qibla. فَإِذَا جَلَسَ Then when he sat, فِي الرَّكْعَتَيْنِ In the two rak'ah, جَلَسَ He sat عَلَى رِجْلِهِ On his foot. Which foot? Al-Yusra, The left one. وَنَصَبَ And he? He? نَصَبَ what does it mean? From nasb. Nasb. Huh? فَإِذَا فَرَغْتَ فَانْصَبْ What does it mean? Not to raise, no. Okay, so what is that in English? To firmly position something. You know, like a flag or a pole. Hmm? Then how is it that you put it? You just place it on the ground? If you place it on the ground, what's going to happen? It's going to fall. So how is it that you make it stand on the ground? How? When it's firmly positioned such that a part of it is in the ground. So this is nasub. Okay? So 
over here what it means by nasaba is that he he kept it upright you know just like a flag it's kept upright so the foot what did he do he kept it upright now notice over here fa idha jalasa fi raka'ataini when he sat in the two raka'ah what does it mean which sitting is this referring to no in which part of salah which position of salah tashahud the first tashahud because that is a sitting in in the two raka'ah right so when he sat in the first tashahud how did he sit he was sitting on his left foot and his right foot was positioned upright against himself wa idha jalasa and when he sat fi raka'at al-akhirah in the last raka'ah qaddama what does qaddama mean he put ahead rijlahu his foot al-yusra the left one what does it mean that he was not sitting on his left foot rather it was forward it was slightly forward and where was it under him okay because in the first tashahud where was the left foot he was sitting on it right but now he was not sitting on it it was forward the foot was positioned slightly forward wa nasab al ukhra and he placed the other one upright which other one the right foot so the right one was positioned upright so then where did he sit waqada and he sat ala maqadatihi on his maqada and what is that the hips of a person okay so basically the hips were touching the ground okay think about it now imagine visualize it the hips were touching the ground the right foot positioned upright and the left foot was forward meaning he wasn't really sitting on it it was under his legs you understand and this position is known as tawarruk now inshallah i'll go into the detail of tawarruk after finishing the hadith wa sami'a al-laythu wa yazidu min muhammad ibn halhalata wa ibn halhalata min min ibn ata'in qala abu salih an al-layth kullu faqar wa qala ibn mubarak an yahya ibn ayyub qala haddathani yazid ibn abi habib anna muhammad ibn amr haddathahu kullu faqar so basically different versions with slightly different wordings they are also mentioned over here to to show the strength of the chain of the narration Now this is the hadith of Abu Humaid al-Sa'idi to which reference was made many times earlier in this book. Now in this hadith what do we see? Uh, first of all we see a good summary of everything that we have learned so far. That before the matters concerning salah are concluded a long hadith is mentioned to review and summarize everything that was learned so far. And secondly we see over here that the way of sitting in the tashahhud okay the first tashahhud and the second tashahhud is different. In the first tashahhud a person sits in which manner iftirash in the second tashahhud which is the last one in the prayer a person sits in the manner of tawarruk now tawarruk is done in two ways okay tawarruk is done in two ways the first way is that the left foot is laid down okay laid down as in is placed horizontally on the ground okay so it's laid down Okay. and the right foot is held upright the right foot is held upright the left foot is laid down and both the feet are held out to the right side both are where both are where right side and the hips of a person are positioned where on the ground the other way is that both the feet are laid down 
both the feet are laid down and held out to the right side with the hips of a person positioned on the ground. Now you might say, what's the difference between the two? In the first position, your right foot is held upright in such a way that the toes are facing the Qibla. And the second way is that the toes are not facing the Qibla. You understand? The toes are not facing the Qibla, rather the foot is left, uh, you know, relaxed, such that the toes are not facing the Qibla. And both the right foot and the left foot, where are they? On the right side of a person. Is it clear? Any question you have with regards to this? That both the feet are laid down and held out to the right side with the hips of a person on the ground. Okay? Now, what is the hikmah? What is the wisdom behind uh, you know, the first tashahud uh, sitting in iftirash and in the second tashahud you're sitting in tawarruk? What's the difference? That the second tashahud is longer. The first tashahud, you're just reading the tashahud. But in the second tashahud, you're allowed to make as many du'as as you want basically. And that can go on for quite some time. And because you're sitting for a longer stretch of time, this is why the sitting position will be more relaxed, it will be easier. And you know that sitting on your foot for a long time is not that easy. I mean, you can sit like that for maybe a minute or two, but beyond that, if you're sitting like that for five minutes, three minutes, four minutes, it can get difficult. So this is the reason why tawarruk, which is much easier, is allowed, is supposed to be done in the last tashahud. That with iftirash, it is easier to get back up. It is easier to stand up. Now, after the first tashahud, what is it that you have to do? Stand up. And if you're sitting in tawarruk, then how easy would it be to stand up? It's not that easy. Like, you really have to gather yourself up together, you know, bend forward, and then get up. When you're sitting in iftirash, it's very simple. Right? You just get up easily. And also if you think about it, the two ways of tawarruk, is there convenience in that? Hmm? There is. Because some people, they may be able to hold their you know, toes such that they're facing the qibla for some time, but again, it, it might get difficult, so the toes can be relaxed also. Right? See how easy the deen is? Shaykh bin Uthaymin, he was asked about tawarruk, that when is it that a person should sit mutawarrikan, meaning in the position of tawarruk, and in which prayers? He replied that tawarruk is done in the final tashahud of every prayer that has two tashahuds. You understand? So it has to be done in the final tashahud of every prayer that has two tashahud, meaning the last tashahud in Maghrib prayer, Rishat prayer, Asr prayer, and Zuhr prayer. Okay? The last rakah, the last tashahud. As for the two rakar prayers, such as the Fajr and the regular Sunnah prayers or any other two rakar that you're performing, then there is no tawarruk in them. He said that there is no tawarruk in them. So tawarruk is only in the last tashahud of every prayer that has two tashahuds. Imam al-Nawawi also said that our view is that it is mustahab to sit muftarishan, meaning iftirash, in the first tashahud. And mutawarrikan, meaning with tawarruk, in the second. And if the prayer is of two rak'ah, then he should sit mutawarrikan. If the prayer is of two rak'ah, he said that he should sit how? Mutawarrikan, with tawarruk. Now this is different. One scholar is saying one thing and the other scholar is saying something else. 
So what are we supposed to do? Remember that there is difference of opinion with regards to the last tashahud of two rak'ah prayer. Some said it is better to do tawarruq. And others said, no, it is better to do iftirash. Nobody said this is fard and this is haram. The difference comes where? Mustahab. They said this is better because they understood that manner to be closer to the sunnah. Alright? So when there is, you know, difference of opinion, there is more room over here. What should we do? When we find a hadith, we just follow that. Okay? So for example, in this hadith, what do we see? That in the last tashahud, the Prophet ﷺ said, mutawadrikan. So, because the two rak'ah, salah, it has only one tashahud, and that tashahud is meant to be the last tashahud, and that tashahud is supposed to be longer. So, what seems better? That a person sits? Mutawarrikan. However, if you forget and you're sitting, muftarishan, is there a problem? Is there a problem? No. There's no problem at all. But sometimes it is helpful actually sitting iftirash in the two rakar prayer, okay, at the end of it. Why? Because it helps you stay alert. Especially fajr prayer. Because otherwise what will happen? You're sitting so relaxed as soon as you say the salam, there it is, you fall down and you go to sleep. Right? But when you're sitting like that for so long, your feet, your legs are stretching, then it helps you wake up. It helps you stay alert. Anyway, باب مَنْ لَمْ يَرَدْ تَشَهُدَ الْأَوَّلَ وَاجِبًا The one who did not consider, يَرَى, he did not see, meaning he did not consider, التَشَهُدَ الْأَوَّلَ The first tashahud, to be wajiban, to be mandatory. Meaning they said that the first tashahud is not mandatory. Why? Why did they say that? لِأَنَّ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ Because the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم Qama, he stood up min al-rak'ataini from the two rak'ah walam yarjir. And he did not go back. Meaning he did, he did not go back to perform that first tashahud. Now, what does it mean by this? That the first tashahud is optional? If you do it, it's good. And if you don't do it, no problem? No, what it means is that if a person forgets to perform the first tashahud, and is it is it possible? Yes. If a person forgets to perform the first tashahud, then he does not need to repeat the salah. He does not need to repeat that entire rak'ah. It is mandatory, but in the sense that if it's forgotten or if it's left out accidentally, it does not invalidate the prayer. You understand? There's certain arkan of the salah which if they're left out, then the rak'ah is not valid. The salah is not valid. Like for example, if a person performs the rakar but does not recite Surah Al-Fatiha, then is his rakar complete? No, it is not complete. Will he have to repeat that rakar, that salah? Yes, he will have to. But the shahud, the first shahud is such a rukun, which is wajib in the sense that a person has to do it, but if he forgets or accidentally leaves it out, then he does not have to repeat the entire prayer. Or he does not need to repeat the rak'ah. Why? Because this is what we see the Prophet did. What's the evidence? حدثنا أبو اليمان قال أخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال حدثني عبد الرحمن بن هرمز مولى بني عبد المطلب مولى What does مولى mean? Good. مولى has different meanings and one of the meanings is freed slave. Okay? 
And remember at the beginning of Sahih Bukhari also I mentioned to you about Imam Bukhari that at the end of his name is what? Al-Ju'fi. Alright? And Ju'fi was what? This was the name that was given to one of the forefathers of Imam Bukhari. Why? Because he accepted Islam at the hands of Abu Yaman Al-Ju'fi who belonged to the Ju'fi tribe. And at that time was a tradition that whoever embraced Islam at someone's hand, then he would adopt the name of their tribe. Okay? Because it was as though they had set them free. Okay? How? By making them accept Islam. Alright? So, over here also, Mawla. So, this man, Abdul Rahman ibn Hurmuz, he was the Mawla of Bani Abdul Muttalib. He was a freed slave of the Banu Abdul Muttalib. وقال he said مرة مولا ربيعة بن الحارث. It was also said about him that he was the freed slave of Rabi'ah bin Harith. So he said that أن عبد الله ابن بحينة وهو من أزدي شنوئة. He said that عبد الله ابن بحينة who was from the أزد of شنوئة. You know, name of a clan or a tribe. وهو حليف and they were حليف. Who was أزد شؤونة? They were the حليف. Who was حليف? Allies, they were allies لبني عبد مناف of بنو عبد مناف وكان من أصحاب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم and he was from the companions of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم now you might say why this long story about which tribe he was from and who they were allies to why? because the narrators okay, from the tabi'een even the companions their details were mentioned that okay this hadith is being reported by this man who is this man? How is he credible? How is it that we are taking hadith from him? Because he is so and so that belong to this tribe and a little bit about that tribe so that the tribe would be recognized and so that individual will be recognized and when he is recognized, he is considered reliable, then his hadith will be accepted. Okay? So, وَكَانَ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وسلم. He was from the companions of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. أَنَّ النَّبِيَ صلى الله عليه وسلم that the Prophet ﷺ, once he was bihim with them, al-zuhra, at the time of zuhr. Meaning, he performed the zuhr prayer with them. فَقَامَ فِي الرَّكْعَتَيْنِ الْأُولَيَيْنِ So he got up from the first two rak'ah, and lam yajlis, he did not sit. Meaning, the last sujood of the second rak'ah, he got up from it, he was supposed to sit. Why? For tashahud, but he did not sit. What happened? He stood up for the third rak'ah. And behind him, فَقَامَ النَّاسُ مَعَهُ And the people stood with him. حَتَّى until إِذَا قَضَ الصَّلَاةَ When the salah was completed, when it was over, وَانْتَظَرَ النَّاسُ تَسْلِيمَهُ And the people waited for his taslim, meaning his taslim, so that he would end the prayer. Okay. كَبَّرَ The Prophet ﷺ said the takbir. وَهُوَ جَالِسُ While he was still sitting. فَسَجَدَ سَجْدَتَيْنِ He performed two sajda قَبْلَ أَن يُسَلِّمَ Before he said the taslim ثُمَّ سَلَّمَ Then he said the salam. So you see what happened over here? He was supposed to sit down, but he didn't. He stood up. And the people behind him didn't dare, you know, point out the mistake or the forgetfulness because it was a Prophet ﷺ and perhaps this was the new way of praying. Right? Who, who were there to raise a question like that? So, they didn't say anything. 
Then when the salah was complete, meaning the people were sitting in the shahud behind the Prophet ﷺ, and the people were waiting that now the Prophet ﷺ is going to say the salam, he didn't say the salam. Instead of saying the salam, what happened? Kabbara, he said Allahu Akbar. Meaning he went into sajda. And the people behind him went into sajda. How many prostrations did he perform? Two. And then after those prostrations, he said the salam. Now what does this show? He performed which sujood? Of as-sahu. Of forgetfulness. And what is that sajda? That if a person forgets something in the prayer, then at the end he performs these two sujood. Alright? Now, what does this hadith show to us? That first of all, the Prophet ﷺ even forgot. Even he forgot. Why? Because he was a human being. And we are also human beings, weaker than him in many ways. Physically, mentally, emotionally perhaps, spiritually definitely we're weaker than him, right? So if he forgot, can we forget also? Yes. But should we just take it too easy and say, oh, it's okay, I forgot again, and it's okay, I forgot again? No. Try your best to not forget anything. But if it happens, then what to do? Follow the sunnah. And what is that? That at the end, perform sahu. Now, with regards to the details of sujood sahu, inshallah we will cover them later. Remember that they can be, be performed before the taslim and also after the taslim. Now, we see here that the Prophet ﷺ missed the tashahud completely. Completely. But at the end of the prayer, did he perform the tashahud? No. Did he perform the second rakah? No. What did he do? Just the taslim. Now there's some other, you know, arkan of salah which if you miss, then before the sujood, you actually have to perform them. So for example, if a person is not sure whether he prayed three or four rakah, hmm, what is he going to do? He's going to say, oh, never mind. I'll just carry on as I am. And at the end, I will just say sujood the sahu. No, no, no. What do you have to do? You have to perform an extra rakah. Why? So that if it was three, it will become four. And if it was four, and you cannot remember, then the sujood sahab will cancel out the rakah and make the salah proper. You understand? So, when it comes to an entire rakah, that cannot be replaced with sujood sahab only. Why? Because if that rakah is completely missed out, salah is invalid. But when it comes to the first tashahud, if it is missed out, and a person realizes that it's completely missed out, I forgot to sit, then again, he does not have to repeat the prayer. So this is why some scholars said that it is wajib, but it's not as wajib as certain other parts of the salah. You understand? Kabbara just means to say the takbir, meaning to say Allahu Akbar. Now sometimes this takbir is accompanied with the raising of the hands and other times it's just the words. Okay? Now earlier we learned that raising of the hands okay, with the takbir is not with sujood. For rukur, you have to raise your hands with takbir. But when you're going into sujood and you're coming back up from sujood, meaning into sitting position, then you don't raise your hands. Because it has not been mentioned وَرَفَعَيَدَيْهِ If hands were raised, then it would have been mentioned that he raised his hands. Alright? At-tashahudi fil-ula, tashahud in the first sitting, meaning after the 
فرست دو رکا حدثنا قتيبة بن سعيد قال حدثنا بكر عن جعفر بن ربيعة عن الأعرج عن عبد الله بن مالك بن بحينة قال صلى بنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الظهر He said the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم performed the Zuhr prayer فقام so he stood up وعليه جلوس and he had to sit meaning in the first تشهد فلما كان في آخر صلاته then when he was at the end of his prayer سجد سجدتين وهو جالس He performed two sujood while he was sitting So again, it is wajib. However, if it is forgotten, then sajda sahab must be done. Its obligation, meaning the obligation of the first tashahud, is lighter than the obligation of the second tashahud. Bab at-tashahudi fil-akhirah, the tashahud in the last rakar, meaning the second tashahud. Haddathana Abu Nu'aymin, qala haddathana al-a'mash, an shaqiq ibn Salamata, qala qala abdullah, kunna idha sallayna khalfa al-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said that when we used to pray behind the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "Kulna," we would say, "Assalamu ala Jibrila wa Mikaela," meaning in the tashahud, we would say, "Peace be upon Jibril and Mikael," and we would also say, "Assalamu ala Fulanin wa Fulanin," may peace be upon so and so and so and so. Meaning they would mention the names of certain individuals. فالتفت إلينا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. So the Prophet ﷺ, he turned towards us one day, فقال, and he said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ السَّلَامِ Indeed, Allah, He is السَّلَامِ فَإِذَا صَلَّى أَحَدُكُمْ So when one of you performs a prayer, فَلْيَقُلْ Then he should say, التَّحِيَّاتُ لِلَّهِ وَالصَّلَوَاتُ وَالطَّيِّبَاتُ السَّلَامُ عَلَيْكَ أَيُّهَا النَّبِيُّ وَرَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ وَبَرَكَاتُ Assalamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin. He said you should say, Greetings belong to Allah and good words and prayers, peace be upon you, O Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the mercy of Allah and His blessings, peace be upon us and upon the righteous slaves of Allah. And he said, فَإِنَّكُمْ إِذَا قُلْتُمُوهَا For indeed you, when you will say this, أَصَابَتْ It will reach, meaning your greetings, your salam will reach, كُلَّ عَبْدٍ لِلَّهِ Every slave of Allah that is salih, that is righteous, whether that slave of Allah is فِالسَّمَاءِ in the sky, or وَالْأَرْضِ the earth. Whether that slave is in the sky or the earth. And you should say, أَشْهَدُوا اللَّهِ إِلَهَا إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَشْهَدُوا أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ That also say that the shahud, meaning the testification that I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship but Allah and I bear witness that Muhammad ﷺ is the servant of Allah and his messenger. We see over here that the companions in their salah they would say Assalamu ala Jibreel wa Mikail and they would go on mentioning the names of the servants of Allah. Now if a person is doing that first of all the shahud will be long. Right? And secondly uh, is it as beautiful as The one that the Prophet ﷺ taught? No. When you're going on mentioning one name after the other, after the other, you also have this guilt. Oh, I left that one out. I left so and so out. Right? What about that angel? And what about that person? What about that Prophet? Hmm? So the Prophet ﷺ told them, إِنَّ اللَّهُ وَالسَّلَامُ Allah is peace. Meaning He is a source of peace. Hmm? So when one of you is praying, then send beautiful greetings to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ask Allah for salam, for who? All the righteous servants. As-salamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin. And when you will say that, 
And Imam Bukhari has mentioned this separately over here to show that the tashahud, there's two tashahuds. One is the first tashahud and the other is the last tashahud, the second tashahud. Both of them are important, but the first one, its importance is slightly lesser compared to the last one. And we also see that in this dua that the Prophet ﷺ taught them, what are the words? That, As-salamu alayka ayyuhan nabiyyu. Hmm? That peace be upon you, O Prophet ﷺ. Now when you meet someone, someone is in front of you, then you can say, Ayyuha. Right? But when someone is not in front of you, then do you address address them in this way? No. So some people, they said that during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, this is what the companions were supposed to do. They were supposed to say, Ayyuha Nabiyu. But after his death, they were required to say, or this is what we should say today, that As-salamu ala nabi That may peace be upon the Prophet ﷺ. Meaning you don't say ayyuha because he's not alive anymore. However, we see that there is no proof for this, meaning the Prophet ﷺ did not tell the companions that say this during my lifetime, and when I pass away, then change it to As-salamu ala nabi And secondly, this does not even seem reasonable because when the Sahaba said this in the prayer, obviously they knew that the Prophet ﷺ could not hear them. Which is why they said this when they were praying their silent prayers. right? They said this when they were in the same masjid. They said this when they were traveling, when they were far away from the Prophet ﷺ. They said this and they continued to say this even after his death. Alright? So this is why what is best for us that we keep the words... The same, meaning we do not change the words that the Prophet ﷺ taught. And this is a very important principle that we must remember. That the words that the Prophet ﷺ has taught of certain adhkar, of certain du'as, we should not change them. So much so that even their order should not be changed. You know, once the Prophet ﷺ was teaching a du'a to one of his companions, and that companion repeated that du'a to him, and when he repeated it, he slightly changed the words, just the order. And he was corrected. That no, this is not what I said. I said something else. So keep the arrangement of the words the same also. So then who are we to alter the words? We cannot do that. And it's understood that when we send greetings to the Prophet ﷺ, he cannot hear us. No. But that greetings is conveyed to him. Through who? Through the angels. Alright? And this is true even after his death. Even more so. Because after his death, what happens? The greetings are conveyed to him by the angels. Right? So, the words of the tashahud, we should keep them the same. And it's better that we do not alter them. Now secondly, about the story of the origin of tashahud. Hmm? That, what is the origin of the words of tashahud? Some people, they have said that the Prophet ﷺ, when he went for Mi'raj, for the night journey at Sidratul Muntaha 
when he greeted Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, At-tahiyyatu lillahi wa salawatu wa tayyibatu. And he was responded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, As-salamu alayka ayyuhan nabiyu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And that the Prophet ﷺ, in return, he said, As-salamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin However, the story, as beautiful as it seems, it doesn't have any basis. It has not been reported in any hadith. The only origin of these words that we find is this incident that is reported in this hadith. That when the Prophet ﷺ heard the people saying, you know, random things in their salah, Salam on Jibreel. And in another version we'll learn that they even said, May peace be on Allah. Because they were, you know, they were, they were trying to greet, you know, just as they sent salam on, on the slaves of Allah, they also said, As-salam ala Allah min ibadi. So the Prophet wasallam said that, No, inna Allah wa salam. Allah is a source of peace. You don't say, As-salamu ala Allah. He is the source of peace. So he corrected them. And this is when he taught them these beautiful words. So this is the origin of these words and not the stories that have been uh, narrated uh, and unfortunately quite widely without any basis. Yes, the dua, Allahumma inni abduka, ibn abdik. Uh, that dua also Many scholars are of the opinion that you do not change the wording to Allahumma inni amatuk. You don't change that. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ taught the dua to who? Everybody. And obviously, a woman when she says that, I mean, think about it. Abd. Yes, it is used for male slave. Okay. But, ibad. Like over here. Assalamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin. Doesn't mean that we are only sending salam on Male servants of Allah? No, everybody. So it's understood. Okay. Bab ad-du'a'i qabla salam Supplication before the salam. So at the end of the prayer, just before saying the salam, after reading the tashahud, what is it that a person should do? He should make du'a. Many people, they make du'a after the salah. That once they say the taslim, they do their dhikr, and then they make du'a. That is also good. But what is better is that dua should be made before the salam. Why? Because a person is engaged in the act of worship. And when a person is engaged in the act of worship, one of the best acts of worship, salah, then what is best that he should ask Allah at that time. And not wait until after the prayer. Alright? So, ad-du'a'i qabla salam. حدثنا أبو اليمان قال أخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال أخبرنا عروة بن الزبير عن عائشة زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أخبرته أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يدعو في الصلاة. She said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to make dua in the salah. What dua? اللهم إني أعوذ بك من عذاب القبر وأعوذ بك من فتنة المسيح الدجال وأعوذ بك من فتنة المحيا والممات. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-ma'thami wal-maghram. That, O oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from the punishment of the grave, and I seek refuge with you from the trial of the jal, and I seek refuge with you from the trials of life and the trials of death. O oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from sin and maghram. What is maghram? Death. فَقَالَ لَهُ قَائِلٌ So one day, a person said to the Prophet ﷺ, that ma akthara 
ما تستعيذ من المغرم Why is it that you seek so much protection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala against maghram, against debt? And we see that this is not the only dua in which the Prophet ﷺ sought protection against debt. فَقَالَ So the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ الرَّجُلْ Indeed a man, إِذَا غَرِيمَ When he is in debt, حَدَّثَ He speaks, فَكَذَبَ And he lies. When he speaks, he ends up lying. وَوَعَدَ And he promises, فَأَخْلَفَ And he breaks it. So this is why he used to seek Allah's protection against maghram. Now, there's a couple of things over here. First of all, in his salah, the Prophet ﷺ used to make this du'a. And there are many, many ahadith that tell us about this. And this shows to us the importance of this du'a. And this is one du'a that a person must say before the taslim. He should. There's many other du'as, but this du'a for sure. Because in it, there's seeking protection against the punishment of the grave. And the punishment of the grave is something quite serious. We know that every person will be squeezed in his grave. Every person. Some people, they'll be squeezed so much that their ribs will literally become interlaced. Literally. And others, they will be squeezed, but not that tight. So the punishment of the grave is something real, something serious, and this is why the Prophet ﷺ continuously, repeatedly sought refuge against it. Secondly, he sought refuge against fitnat al-Masih al-Dajjal. The fitna of Masih al-Dajjal. Who is Dajjal? Hmm? The false Messiah, right? And about Dajjal, what do we learn? That every Prophet of Allah warned his people about the Dajjal. Because the fitna of the Dajjal is something that will definitely affect the people who are alive. But even those who are dead, because the Dajjal will do things that will be, you know, completely beyond human capacity in the sense that he will also cause great things to happen. So for example, rain to come and he will cause the appearance of things to change. So it's a great fitna. A very serious fitna. And the Jal, what does it mean basically? The Jal, the name the Jal, what does it mean? It's from Dajal. Okay, the Jal on the structure of Fa'al. Mubalagha. Okay? Just as Qawwam. Mubalagha. So, Dajjal, there is Mubalagha, meaning Sahibud Dajal, Kathirud Dajal. And what does Dajal mean? To deceive. Meaning he will deceive a lot. A lot. That people will be deceived by him completely. So whatever he will say, they will believe him. They will begin to follow him. He will say, I am God, and people will follow him. So the Prophet ﷺ sought refuge against the fitna of the Dajjal. And if he sought refuge against it being the Prophet of Allah wasallam, Allah is his protector. Jibreel is his protector. right? But he sought protection against fitna of the Dajjal. Then we see that he sought protection against the fitna of life and the fitna of death. What is the fitna of life? Okay. The different trials in life, from shahawat, from the various desires that a person finds difficult to resist, uh, difficult to control, whether it is that desire for money or the desire for haram, whatever it may be, that leads a person to sin. So fitna til mahya, wa fitna til mamat, and the fitna of death, what is that? 
the fitna of death, the trial of death. Death itself is a big test. How? That it can be very painful. And it is a time when shaitan attacks a person a lot. Because he knows that this person is now slipping away from my hands. I better give him one final blow in order to waste all of his deeds. Remember the story of Barsisa? That how shaitan said to him, right when people were coming to kill him, do uh, do such that to me and I will save you. Just do such that to me. And what happened? Barsisa, as a final resort, he prostrated to shaitan and shaitan left him. And with that act of shirk, what happened? Every good that he did before, finished. You see Barsisa, he did zina. He also committed qatl. He lied. He cheated. All of these sins, even though they are major sins, is there hope of forgiveness? Yes. Why? Because ultimately someone who has even a little bit of tawheed in his heart, eventually he will be taken out of hellfire. But with that prostration, what happened? He did shirk. And what does shirk do? Wastes, invalidates all of the good deeds of a person. Right? Because لَإِنْ أَشْرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلُكَ So this is what shaitan does. That at the time of death, make a person say something bad, negative about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Express, you know, that he does not have any hope. He does not think positively. You know, some words of ingratitude. Likewise, some other people, they are attacked by shaitan in such a way that he makes them make a seriously wrong and unfair wasiyah with regards to their wealth. And then what happens? That that also wastes the good deeds of a person. It's enough to take a person to hellfire. Making a wrong will, a wrong wasiyah deliberately that deprives people of their hukuk, of their rights. This is something that takes a person to hellfire. So shaitan attacks people at what time? At the time of death. You know, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal said that when he was at the verge of dying, at his deathbed, he was heard saying, Ba'd, Ba'd. And later on when he regained some consciousness, he was asked that, why were you saying that? He said that shaitan appeared to me, and he was saying that, you know, you have slipped away from my hands. That, you know, I've you've won against me basically, you've defeated me. So Ahmad ibn Hanbal said, no, Ba'd, Ba'd, meaning there's still time. I'm not free yet. I'm not safe yet. There's still some time. So he realized that until he dies, shaitan is after him. So at that time, shaitan comes and attacks a person the most. So, fitnat al-mahya wa fitnat al-mamat. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-ma'thami wal-maghram. He also sought refuge against ma'tham. What is ma'tham? From ithm, from sin. And ma'tham is a masdah. And it can also be understood as Ism zarf. So the places of sin, the places, the times, the situations in which a person ends up committing sin. Because you see, there are certain places where a person is able to keep himself together. He remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He remembers you know, the consequences of sin. So even if he gets an opportunity, he keeps away. But there are some other places, some other situations, perhaps in the company of certain people, or in certain you know areas that when a person goes there then he ends up committing sin he starts 
humming to a tune or he starts moving his body or he starts looking at wrong things or saying wrong things you know with certain people because he feels weaker over there so allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-ma'tham you know some people you have a lot of sabr with them no matter what they say it doesn't bother you but other people one look of theirs is enough to cause you to blow up that is also what ma'tham a place a situation in which you end up committing sin in which you end up committing ulum so allah protect me from that keep me away from those situations in which i lose myself ma'tham wal maghram maghram that and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he was asked about it that why is it that you seek refuge against maghram so often he said because when a person is in that when he speaks he lies and when he promises he breaks his promise how because when he's not able to pay it off then what happens when he's asked to give the money back he says okay next week promise promise next week but what happens next week he's not able to pay it back because of poverty so he breaks a promise and then when he doesn't pick up the phone he's asked later that where are you and he says oh i was busy whereas he was not busy so lying so making promises and breaking them and lying why because of poverty not being able to pay back somebody's money so oh allah protect me from situations where i have to take a loan i have to borrow because if i'm in debt then i'm at risk not that taking a loan is haram as long as a loan itself is halal it is jaiz however it puts a person in a very tricky position where he ends up lying and many times it happens that to make a person you know eligible to receive a loan right to show that you are eligible sometimes people lie about their income about the number of their family members about so many things they lie just so that they can take a loan and in order to get an extension sometimes people are lying so it puts a person in a very tricky position so this is why oh allah i seek protection against this also وعن الزهري قال اخبرني عروه ان عائشه رضي الله عنها قالت سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يستعيد في صلاته من فتنه الدجال she said that i heard the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in his prayer he was seeking refuge with allah against the fitna of dajjal if i'm not mistaken a person who is dead will be brought to life right so it is something that will affect many people it is very scary definitely very scary حدثنا قتيبة بن سعيد قال حدثنا الليث عن يزيد بن أبي حبيب عن أبي الخير عن عبد الله بن عمر عن أبي بكر الصديق رضي الله عنه أنه قال لرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم that Abu Bakr رضي الله عنه said to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم علمني دعاء please teach me a dua أدعو به that I can ask for I can make في صلاتي in my prayer O Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam please teach me a dua that I can make during my prayer. Qala the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said qul you should say in your prayer Allahumma inni zalamtu nafsi zulman kathiran wa la yaghfiru adh-dhunuba illa anta faghfir li maghfiratan min 'indik warhamni innaka antal ghafurur rahim. That O oh Allah indeed I have wronged myself zulman kathiran. A lot of zulm. 
meaning I have done a lot of dhulm. What is dhulm? Injustice, hmm? oppression, sin. And I have done sin, dhulm against who? Nafsi, myself. When a person commits an injustice against someone, then what do they deserve? The oppressor, what does he deserve? Punishment basically. So what he's saying over here is basically that I have done such actions because of which I am definitely worthy of punishment. If you punished me, if you caught me for my sin, that would not be unfair. I would deserve that punishment. إِنِّي ظَلَمْتُ نَفْسِي ظُلْمًا كَثِيرًا And not a little bit, but ظُلْمًا كَثِيرًا But the fact is that وَلَا يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ None can forgive sin except you. فَاغْفِرْ لِي So forgive me مَغْفِرَةً مِنْ عِنْدِكَ Forgiveness from yourself. Because forgiveness that comes from Allah, that is forgiveness. If people forgive but Allah does not forgive, then what good is the forgiveness of the people? فَاغْفِرْ لِي مَغْفِرَةً مِنْ عِنْدِكَ وَرْحَمْنِي And show mercy to me. إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Indeed, you are the forgiving and merciful. Now, one thing that we see about this dua is that the Prophet ﷺ told him to make this dua and Abu Bakr said that teach me a dua that I can make in my salah. So this shows to us that this dua is not just limited to the shahud. You can even make this dua in sujood and in rukur. In the rest of the prayer, you can make this dua. And even outside of the salah, you can make this dua. Because essentially, what is this dua about? Confession of sins before Allah and seeking Allah's forgiveness. Because only Allah can forgive. Now notice over here that first of all, there is the mention of his own state. That, Ya Allah, this is my state. What is my state? I have done many, many sins. This is for the purpose of seeking Allah's mercy. And this process is called tawassul. What is tawassul? That you attain nearness to Allah. Why? So that your du'as are accepted. How? Through different ways. One is that you mention your own state, your own weak, you know, miserable state. You show your neediness before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just as Musa alayhi salam, what did he say? Rabbi inni lima anzalta ilayya min khayrin? Faqir. Faqir. I am faqir. I am poor. I've got nothing. I need. I am desperate for anything that comes from you. So he mentioned his state. Why? Why? In order to receive Allah's mercy. So likewise, when a person confesses his sins before Allah, Ya Allah, I'm sinful, I'm wrong. I have made many mistakes. I am guilty. I have these problems in me. When a person confesses, this is what? Being truthful. Being very, very truthful and honest. And it comes with this realization that I am wrong and you forgive, O Allah. So when a person presents this state of his before Allah, then this is a form of tawassul because you are Seeking Allah's mercy through this manner. Secondly, we see that by mentioning, وَلَا يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ Now this is mentioning Allah's state. My state is that I am sinful. And you, O Allah, you are the only one who can forgive sin. This is also a form of tawassul. And then, 
mentioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's names. This is also a form of the wasl. That if you want your du'as to be accepted, mention your poor miserable state. Then mention Allah's majestic, sublime, perfect state. And then praise Him and seek His mercy by mentioning His glorious names. And this is the correct way of making du'a and this is something that we see very common in the du'as of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Bab ma yutakhayyaru min ad-du'a'i ba'da at-tashahhudi wa laysa biwajib. Ma yutakhayyaru what may be selected min ad-du'a of du'a ba'da at-tashahhud after tashahhud wa laysa biwajib but it is not wajib. Meaning du'a can be made voluntary du'a can be made when after the tashahhud. And this is when in the last tashahhud Alright, at the end of the salah. But is it mandatory to make dua at that time? No. So for example, a person says that the shahud, he sends us salawat on the Prophet ﷺ, and then he makes some duas. For example, the ones that are mentioned over here. And then he ends the prayer. Valid? Of course. But what if he doesn't have much time, and he resorts to just one dua? Is that okay? That is also acceptable. Because it is not mandatory to make dua at the end of salah. It is better, but it is not mandatory. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا يحيى عن الأعمش حدثني شقيق عن عبد الله قال كنا إذا كنا مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في الصلاة he said that when we would be with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in the prayer قلنا we would say السلام على الله من عباده we would say may peace be on Allah from his servants السلام على فلان وفلان may peace be on so and so فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم so one day the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said to us لا تقول السلام على الله don't say may peace be on Allah, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ السَّلَامِ Because indeed Allah, He is السَّلَامِ وَلَكِنْ قُولُوا But you should say, التَّحِيَّاتُ لِلَّهِ وَالصَّلَوَاتِ التحيات, greetings for Allah وَالصَّلَوَاتِ And prayers, salawat, salah also means thana, praise. So, وَالصَّلَوَاتِ وَالطَّيِّبَاتِ And all good words. As-salamu alayka ayyuhal nabiyyu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May peace, mercy and blessings of Allah be on you, O Prophet. As-salamu alayna. May peace be on us wa ala ibadillahi salihin and all the righteous servants of Allah. Fa'innakum ila qultum. So for when you will say this, asaba kulla abdin fi samai it will reach every servant in the sky, aw bayna samai wal ard, or between the sky and the earth. Meaning when you ask Allah to send His peace on His righteous servants, then every righteous servant is included in this angel, human being, in the sky or in the earth. And then you should say, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, I bear witness that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah, wa ashadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a servant and his messenger. Thumma yatakhayyaru min ad-du'a'i a'jabahu. Then he should choose from the du'a a'jabahu that he likes. Fayad'u. A'jabahu ilayhi. And fayad'u, and then he should make du'a. So basically, after the tashahud, the Prophet ﷺ said, make any du'a you wish. Make any du'a you wish. But notice how, ثُمَّ يَتَخَيَّرُ He may choose, he may select. Right? And even though the Prophet ﷺ said, fayad'u, he should make du'a, but this does not mean it is obligatory. It is better, but it is not obligatory. Now, this is where we see what are the du'as which the Prophet ﷺ used to make in the tashahud. Hmm? What is it that he asked for? Some du'as we have learned over here. 
But typically what we see is that first, the tashahud, the words of tashahud, which begin from at-tahiyyatu lillahi wa salawat. And then after that, salawat upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which is Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammad, kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim, innaka hamidun majid. Allahumma barik ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammadin, kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim, innaka hamidun majid. After the salawat, there are various duas. Which ones are they? Inshallah, we will cover them in our next lesson. Okay? Please don't forget to do your homework. Come up with as many questions as possible. Review. And inshallah, we will also hold a review in class so that you can prepare for your test. Okay? Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.